Ethan Kent works to support public space organisations, projects and leadership around the world to build a global placemaking movement. He's travelled to more than a thousand cities and 60 countries to advance the cause of leading urban development with inclusive public spaces and placemaking. In 2019, he co-founded Placemaking X to network, amplify and accelerate placemaking leadership and impact globally, building on more than 20 years of working on placemaking projects and campaigns with Project for Public Spaces. Ed Blakely is a former Washington insider, an internationally recognised leader in urban development and planning, advisor and author. For more from Pacific Conversations, make sure to check out some of our earlier chats and visit the website, edtalks.com.au. Well, Ethan, Kent, it's been uh, about three years since the last time I saw you. I think that was here yeah. in Australia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah what have you I, been I, doing over the last three years? So, you know, building on what we did with you um, in Australia in many ways, uh, about two and a half years ago, we started a new organization called Placemaking X uh, to really connect and um, celebrate the placemaking leadership we're seeing all over the world, the public space um, innovation, um, collaboration, the sort of grassroots energy that's, that's you know, we're seeing in every corner of the world from many sectors and many disciplines to you know, reinvent public spaces. We're looking to sort of connect these people that are doing this alone and uh, reflect the movement and support the movement that we're seeing. How, how, do you, how are you doing that? Are you a, um, yeah. a collective organization or do you have subscriptions? How do you support an organization across the world? Well, it's a pretty self-organizing, um, you know, lighter, quicker, cheaper approach as we've often applied, you know, we promoted that kind of approach to public space improvements. Um, and so there's actually 16 regional networks that, uh, you know, cover much of the, of the planet um, that, you know, are networking the leaders locally and, you know, having regular conferences and, um, you know, building resource databases. Uh, and then, you know, there's a, there are new ones emerging in places like Cuba and Bhutan and, um, you know, all over. Um, and uh, so it's it's you know mostly volunteer led. There are some of the networks that get some funding from sponsorships, from conferences, from trainings, corporations, um, you know, giving from government grants and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, you know we're it's it's a pretty lean uh, operation, um, but a sustainable one. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So let's go back to when we were doing placemaking together. Yeah, uh, here in Australia, and one of your places turned out pretty well. That's Parramatta. We were yeah, done yeah. together. Remember? Totally, totally. No, that was a thrill, and and yeah, one of the ones I'm most proud of, certainly. And um, the pictures look great, and I, and I have you know been back a few times um, you know, since the, the several times visits. You know, I was there getting to work with you on it. Um, so it's something we're, we're we think it's a great model, and uh, you know, it's particularly how it's leading that you know the fast transformation of, of Parramatta with public space that's inclusive, that's defined for and by the existing population and attracting new investment, new people in ways that hopefully respect and contribute to that, that existing culture, that existing social life. Well, one of the things that, because this is a global radio station, 
Uh, we have uh, up to 8,000 listeners on some days. Uh, and uh, you'll be playing uh, probably next week. So we have to come. Parramatta is in Australia, yeah, uh, yeah. not too far from central Sydney. It's the second largest city in the metropolitan area. And uh, when I started here 15 years ago working with them, they were supposed to be the second largest city. Now they are. Uh, we've attracted almost 100,000 people and built uh, several billion, probably six or seven billion dollars worth of real estate assets. And most of the state government is located in downtown Parramatta now. And that's thanks a great deal to placemaking. We've made Parramatta a place that people want to go to. It's not just a bunch of buildings. And that's what you do all over the world. So what's your challenge been? First, when COVID hit, which is two years now, how have you been doing placemaking? We're not doing much building. So, you know, in many ways, it's a, it's a ripe time for reconnecting to our communities, to our places, um, thinking about what's most important in our lives. Um, you know, because we've been disconnected from public spaces sometimes, we appreciate it more. Um, and then when, when we've had the opportunity, um, you know, during COVID to, to reconnect to our community, we've, we've done so, I think, more creatively. We've um, actually, one of the, some of the Australian placemaking leaders have started something called Porch Placemaking Week to uh, get people working in the front of their homes to improving the, the streets, to contributing back to their community in, in small physical ways. Um, but, uh, you know, and then places, you know, here in New York, we've, you know, there's 11,000 streeteries, the restaurants are being supported and sustained by being allowed to use the parking spots for, for um, you know, restaurant space. Also, vendors and other retail uses are now getting spaces as well. Uh, there's open streets all over the city. Um, and this is something I know many cities are, are doing. What is, um, what's an open street? So open streets are, um, you know, basically they're opening to people, closing to cars. And uh, they're on weekends or in evenings, they're um, you know, whatever the community needs to uh, support their, um, you know, the recreation, the businesses, the, you know, the health of the students and children. Um, and, you know, but we're seeing such creativity from neighbors. And again, these are very, the city's allowing this and, you know, and supporting to an extent, but it's really the neighborhood grassroots creativity and volunteerism that's really making them work. And the neighborhoods that organize the most in this city are the ones that are thriving. Um, the streets that where the, you know, the residents and businesses collaborate to create an open street or you know, at, take back parking spots are becoming destinations for their the local population and for people around the city. You know, where people are traveling to these, explore new neighborhoods um, to be part of these, uh, these great pedestrian destinations now. Um, and frankly- Boy, that's unusual for New York. In New yeah, York, if you live in Queens, you never go to the you, Bronx. You never leave. Yeah, no, I've been going to, I'm in Brooklyn and I've gone to Queens to see some of the great open streets there and try new restaurants. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's sort of a fun, ripe time for the city. There's a, uh, you know, there's a lot, you know, a lot of neighborhoods are suffering. A lot of businesses are suffering. People have, have been hurt, no question. Um, but it's a time where there's a little bit of openness to try new things, to be entrepreneurial, to, um, you know, there's a little bit of more openness to, you know, because of some affordability, you know, it's obviously things are still very expensive, but um, to start new businesses to, um, uh, there's a feeling at least that, that people can shape the city again, that want people can, 
and, and, and some people have left. And frankly, some of those people that have left are people that, uh, you know, you know, were, you know, you know, made their money and, and uh, weren't going to be contributing to the sort of more inclusive creativity of the city, perhaps. Tell me about some of the other cities around the world. We're a global station and we yeah, need to know yeah. what's going on in the world. Yeah, well, certainly everyone's, you know, following, you know, what, you know, Paris is leading on. We're actually holding a conference. Our Place Being Europe Network is leading a conference in, in Barcelona called After COVID City that's looking at um, and helping to launch what Barcelona is doing these for their super blocks. So they're taking that to a whole new scale where they want to close one in every three streets to traffic, open them to people. Um, the, uh, you know, we're seeing the streeteries obviously are taking on all taking great momentum in, in cities around the world. San Francisco's, you know, really innovated on, on supporting and allowing those from, um, you know, a governance and participatory perspective. Um, you know, our Latin American network has, has been supporting, um, you know, great, great reclamation of streets, uh, placemaking Mexico. Um, they've done more than 60 projects around the country reclaiming street space for, um, for people, you know, with beautiful art and, um, and other uses. Um, where else? The, uh, you know, the conversation is, you know, is really ripe everywhere. Placemaking or Africa is a network that's emerging. They're going to have a placemaking week, um, you know, looking again at a lot of reclaiming of, of street space um, later in October. Uh, placemaking India is probably our fastest growing network. Um, and, you know, the India's suffer quite a bit um, but and then there's a place making Pakistan network and there actually the two networks have been doing a lot of cross cultural sharing between cities that have um, things and issues in common around public spaces that's probably the only uh, thing they're sharing yeah, yeah exactly yeah no and so they actually have to share through you know through us to be able to do that but um politically but uh but you know placemaking India is having a placemaking week in December uh, and you know they're, they're uh, there's a you know, great skill and interest from many groups that hasn't yet been connected in, in, in many of these countries. So we're trying to sort of connect the, the public space placemaking advocacy that is disparate um, and, you know, and, and deep, but, uh, but hasn't been sort of un, you know, uncovered. Unve- in, in so tell me, what are the keys to placemaking? Placemaking is a word that doesn't attach any meaning to it unless you have a meaning. Exactly. Well, uh, what are the keys in this post-COVID era? I clearly, yeah. creating a, the cars is one of them. What What are some so, of the other things that are being done? Um, well, first of all, you know, p- place is adding purpose and meaning to space, and so it is. It's a fun. It's a fuzzy idea, and so part part of the most important, you know, the, the benefit of place making or the most, the, you know, the power in it is actually in its fuzziness in how people try to figure out what it means and discuss it, it, it brings up you know rich conversations about who does it what it is how it should be done you know and that no use or user group should dominate it in a sense um, so there's been you know you know during this era you know especially you know with issues like you know black lives matter and you know the you know and finally getting more attention for equity issues um, you know people are questioning even deeper you know how, how we all do how we all shape our places um, who does it and uh is it equitable and and you know is it um, well what are some of the keys removing the cards is one uh do you paint on the street do you um get people to sell on the streets you open shops on the streets what are some of the things that make uh, the place so also ultimately 
it shouldn't be against it's not against anything or anything it's, it's about creating places for people to connect to you know celebrate life to 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 be comfortable to show affection to show, to experience joy and we think when when those become when those goals become more prominent and visible that a lot of the other goals we have in city, in city building from you know from economic development to health to equity you know become more possible um, so you know, you know now we're seeing um, you know, it's, it's, it's not just about in design, it has to be really be about use, about life, about vending markets, about social activity. Um, so the life. second clue is to yeah. get people into the space, out of their houses, uh, out of their garages, out of their selflessness, yeah. uh, into congregating again, yeah. Yeah, on the street, on the corner, yeah. in the park, yeah. with yeah. something there that's attractive. Yeah, and we need, you know, people, we need a full spectrum of private to public experiences and, you know, people need to make eye contact with people, be around people that are different from them, smile at each other, um, you know, and that's, that ramps people on to uh, greater potential to bridge differences to, you know, solve our biggest challenges. We, you know, we think placemaking is, it's, it's a way for, to ramp people on to broader stewardship and ownership of their community, and you know, eventually, um, it's what's needed to build our capacity to take on our our, our bigger challenges, you know, our global so, challenges. So, um, I've been working from home for almost two years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I ate my breakfast on my front porch. A lot of people said <laughs> comment. Uh, I didn't know I was doing placemaking, but I guess I am. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, they're building a new. Um, pavilion across the street, which a number of us are participating in. Uh, that will be an opportunity to celebrate. We've uh, got a monthly market, I don't know, town square has become, with COVID, even more an important place to meet. Uh, we can't meet there right now, but uh, I think starting a week or two, we will be able to meet there and celebrate being together. So these things are all placemaking but when we did it in Parramatta we had some hard work to do we had to move a fountain we had to clear out a lot of underbrush put in toilets we had to make it a place uh clean up some storefronts we had to make a place where people want it we had to make magnets I can think you call them attractors yeah. Exactly. Yes. And that drives out crime, believe it or not. So, um, so William White, who is one of our mentors, uh, you know, did a pioneered a lot of this work in the seventies. And, um, he said the the best way to deal with the, the quote problem of undesirables is to make the place attractive to everybody else. Um, you know, I worked with him. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I knew him a little bit. Sounds like I've worked with everybody in the world every time I. You have, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you've made this a small world for so many. Um, but uh, you know, so so you know, I think a lot of his principles are really reflective, um, reflected well in in, in Parramatta Square, and um, you know, and but it also ref it's the sort of lighter, quicker, cheaper principle of of how it's it's really program driven. It's a very fl a flexible space um, that can be a platform to to connect and showcase the, the culture and 
identity and grow the culture and identity of Parramatta. Um, you know, it is, I think of it, you know, sort of like Brooklyn, you, you know, you mentioned it's at the center of the Sydney area and it's very diverse. It has such a rich history as, as, as you know, with, with Aboriginal history and with the early settlers. Um, and then, you know, and then it's, it's has so many different immigrant populations sort of connecting and converging on that space, you know, that's and how that uh, how this space is the center of that of that city can continue to to re reflect and connect that those populations um, is you know is really powerful and so needed for the Sydney region it's a region that's defined more by its you know by its immense beauty and um, you know and wealth and success uh, you know public spaces that are defined by people you know past and present are are, are you know are, are what's needed to really drive and sustain its its future so. In India, um, people have always lived in the street, as it were, in India. Street foods, most of Asia. Is that a different kind of place making than it is in North America, where the car, and Australia, where the car dominates the street? Well, I mean, in, in you know a lot of the fast developing parts of the world, unfortunately, they're they're copying the worst mistakes that we've made in the you know more developed parts. Um, of the world yet actually they're closer to getting it right you know they're close they still know how to be social in public spaces they know how, they're they're still um you know there's still a lot of social life and density of, of social life and economic life in, in 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 public spaces um so we think we really need to start you know whether it's a wealthy area or a, or a lower income part of the world you need to start the reinvention of city you, you need to turn upside down the start the 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 development of cities to start with with public life, with informal life, actually, and the more informal, and I think of that as you know, informal, um, you know, vending, informal social life, um, but you know, also in a wealthy part of the world, it's it's just people taking off their shoes and being affectionate and or being relaxed, playing music. You know, it, it, we those we should sort of gauge the success of our cities and how relaxed people are, how comfortable they are. How, how welcome they feel at the center of their of their cities, um, and and frankly, you see that more in a lower income part of the world. Um, you know, it's not to glorify it, there's lots of problems that, that go with it, but it, but it also should be seen as an asset to um, to build around and and to not throw out, not make those people feel poor for being relaxed and happy and comfortable in moments that they're. Yeah, uh, in Chile, in Santiago, one of the place making things uh, that we helped inspired when I was working there, I guess I still am, but COVID was uh, about three block areas. We close off every Sunday uh, for trike and bike riding. Mm -hmm. And that brought people out to watch it. Some old ladies just be sitting down watching it. And that brought in some vendors to sell them things. And now it's an institution on Sunday from about yeah. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., three or four, everybody's out watching people ride their bikes around in circles and up and down and do displays yeah. on their bikes and yeah, I think some people are walking too. some people are yeah. jogging yeah cyclovia um no that's that's a great way to start that's sort of an example of these open streets perhaps um we actually reminds me i actually worked in in santiago chile a long time ago and um with a developer that um used to do terrible mall development, but he said, we, we worked with him to sort of prove a, a different approach where he said, public spaces are the new anchor tenant. Um, so again, leading with the public space, the public mm -hmm. life, 
it was driving the viability of development in retail that previously wasn't possible to invest in. And um, and in, in one of the busier train, you know, subway stations, um, plazas in the city, he, he, he proved that concept and, and did well um, in a way that I think is very replicable. So we're actually, one of the things we're doing Placement X is trying to connect the leading developers around the world. And there's you know, many in, in Sydney, of course, um, that they get that, you know, and are, are doing parts of it well and parts, parts of it more status quo, but get that if you lead with public spaces, you, um, you know, lead with investing in public spaces and the, and the public use of them and, and engage the communities that are there to shape them, that you can attract people and investment on their terms. You can create a market for development um, that may not exist otherwise. Um, and you can do it in a way that is, is more inclusive and equitable um, than sort of more design-led or development-led um, change we're, we're often seeing um, and is being copied, unfortunately, at, at great scale in, in the developing world. So where are we going now? COVID in the U.S. is kind of isolated. It's in most of the good cities, the big cities, it's a thing of the past. Sure, there are problems, closed stores, as you mentioned. What's the direction for placemaking in the near term and maybe even farther out from your perspective? You're the leader, you're the guru. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, one of the, the first principles of placemaking is that the community is the expert. And, you know, we definitely apply that to the, the broader placemaking community. And, you know, that what, what we realize is, you know, I feel very lucky to be connected to, to many urban gurus you know, like yourself around, around the world. And, you know, what I've realized is we all, have, we all have pieces of this knowledge and we're all coming at, you know, from this different experiences and different geographic contexts. But collectively, we, you know, we we have to figure this out together. And we do probably have a lot of the answers if we look at this collectively. So a lot of the goal of Placemaking X is sort of is synthesizing, you know, networking these 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 conversations, these these expertise and you know amplifying the ideas that are really are really working. Um, that said, we you know we it, there's lots of small stuff and, and we're trying to get we're getting lots of small impact on, on the ground, but we also now need to really scale up the impact of placemaking beyond the sort of Inter, you know, public space intervention, the later, quicker, cheaper projects, the, the tactical urbanism. Um, that was the way to learn about it, to really start with the ground and ground the conversation. Um, but now it's really it has to be about turning the, de the development model upside down to lead with places that are inclusive. And so it's like the highline type develops that scale. Yeah, maybe perhaps that scale and more district development. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, and they certainly have a lot of regrets with, you know, how. Um, how they they you know didn't do the sort of the, the the value capture and you know and and perpetuated some of the gentrification that was happening there perhaps faster than um, they they needed to, um, but uh, yeah that's the kind of you know that's the kind of scale that we need to really figure out how to do it right on and replicate it, um, and so, so district you know, level place making yeah the, yeah and so looking at that's the scale at which. You know, innovation often occurs, and you know, and, and governance it can actually be most responsive, most creative. Um, you know, place management is is a skill that's often missing in many cities, and what's needed to invest more in public spaces is actually uh, it's the less expensive part of of, of placemaking or of, of urban development. But we you know we invest a ton in the capital projects and the infrastructure, but really really leverages their value um, and makes them you know more inclusive and um, 
and socially creative is, is is actually the parts that cost less, the management and programming of the spaces. So, so for again, a lot of people, uh, even here in Australia, have never heard of a street manager. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by managing place? So, yeah, we're seeing a trajectory, you know, around the world towards sort of place district-wide place management from, and it's coming from different sectors. So like, you know, Australia government's doing a, you know, uh, leading in, in, in some senses. And, but we, you know, our theory is that no one sector should dominate the management or governance of place. That the, the, it's more successful, more creative, more public if it's a multi-sector collaboration. And that's not that we never push back if the mayor or the, you know, whoever's leading it, we never say stop leading. We say, how can we help how can you know a placemaking lens help you then get support from other sectors, from other disciplines, from other demographics, um, and that simply you know is an additive discussion. You know you get you get more ideas, more creativity, and those spaces are more public and more interesting. But but there needs to be someone, yeah, collective exactly. leadership yeah. at least, and that's placemaking so there needs to be management. A facil yeah, so that's make sure so the that garbage place manager up, has to facilitate. Yeah, so that so that yeah, so sometimes this place management starts from a very practical perspective of maintenance and security, and that's certainly where it started here in the U.S. with the business improvement districts and so forth. Um, but we're seeing an evolution um, of that towards um, uh, towards place more proactive place management and programming of of the public realm, and uh, and and in, in turn, you actually achieve some of the the safety, security, maintenance outcomes more effectively and get more revenue for for those efforts as well. Um, so it's, it's a, uh, so place managers, you know, sometimes it's you know, the government that's doing pieces of it or sometimes stuck in a range of different departments, but we're seeing a role for sort of a place manager that is more facilitative and connective of, um, you know, often different departments in a city, different community leaders, business leaders, um, philanthropic, philanthropic roles as well. Uh, but that facilitative leadership is, is a model. People aren't trained to do that in schools. In 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 um, in, in uh, you know, we're trained to be experts. We're trained to tell people what to do. You know, we're, um, so the place manager role is a is sort of a new kind of role that ideally transcends politics. Transcends, um, you know, it, it, hopefully it's it's longer term. But they're more accountable because they're very connected to communities and, and at, at that at that grassroots level so that these are people who help keep the streets alive one of the um things that i've seen now is repurposing buildings that have been shut for example the libraries are thinking about putting libraries in these closed shops that keeps the street alive it gets more people using the library than otherwise use it but having that big building that body comes into or can't come into because of COVID is reducing readership. So you reach out and you take one of these old buildings and some volunteers, clean it out, sweep it out and the city pays the rent to the owner and life is the whole street. And then the other shops start opening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, you know, yeah, libraries, actually, I did a talk recently for the Victoria Libraries Association, and, you know, you know libraries are great public space managers, place managers, essentially, um, and, you know, they also are looking to reinvent themselves, um, so how they become, uh, you know, be sort of anchors for 
their communities for placemaking even. Uh, they become conveners, connectors of their community. How they, you know, they're often supporting social services, uh, welcoming immigrants um, is, is very exciting. You know, but also they need to turn themselves out inside out. And in many in businesses do, all, all of them do. Um, but we think you know, having a, a public space hub or a, as a library or a, whatever it is at the centers of cities is key for the gathering and for then building place management capacity. Um, so that it takes a place to build a community and a community to create to yeah, a place. Yeah, but if they that, take that themselves out of that big building and put themselves around the community, it brings more people to the big building. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other aspect of that is people aren't going back to work. Uh, people are gonna continue working from home. So the street becomes even more important. What are some of the things you're doing in that realm? So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there was a trajectory more towards neighborhoods happening before that's been accelerated by the pandemic. Um, and yeah, so as I've said, there's, there's you know, neighborhoods that I'm experiencing in Brooklyn and I actually just went on a tour of uh, 20 cities around the US and I was in, in a bunch of cities in Mexico um, with our placemaking leaders here. And yeah, and seeing how, you know, some neighborhoods are coming alive more than ever and then some are dying, you know, if they didn't, and so there's a little bit of a race right now to, you know, to really to activate the public realm for businesses to contribute to the street. Um, How are you taking work to the street? For example, uh, yeah. uh, one of the things you see is uh, workers coming together and exercising. Uh, and then they start sharing with, by, at the coffee shop where they, before they didn't even know one another. And now they don't want to go back because they're being more inspired by their neighbors, I think if you had a little place for them to sit and talk and work, you know, outside internet and that kind of thing, it really liven the place up. Yeah, no, and certainly in my neighborhood- Turn the office upside down. Yeah, no, this is, it, it was, you know, we were dreaming of this before and people were, there was some movement towards this and it's really, you know, brought this to a head where now people, um, you know, are working out in their cafes, in the streeteries, in, um, you know, the spontaneity is happening in the neighborhoods. Uh, you know, it, it, it's working for people that already have, you know, careers and, and social connections, perhaps. Um, you know, I do feel for some of the younger people that are just starting out that need the offices to get the experiences. Um, but yeah, it's an opportunity to really reinvent, the, you know, you know, while, we, we have to reinvent the, the business districts now too um, and and help them be more flexible, permeable. Um, you know, a lot of in, you know, here in Manhattan and a lot of the business districts I went through around the country, you know, they're really suffering. A lot of the chains actually are, are not doing as well. Um, and, you know, that we're in the sort of more corporate parts of, of, of downtowns, but that's also, I think, you know, offering opportunity for more local businesses um, and to, to, to serve the, those communities. Um, there was a transition again to, you know, to um, having more residential in, in central business districts. I think we'll see more of that. Uh, I, you know, and I actually, everyone always said we needed more of that. I actually think we still, we wanna make sure we lead the transformation of downtowns with public spaces. Um, Cause you don't wanna just make them exclusive areas for wealthy people that to live and then not want the life and use of those spaces. Well, the central yeah. business district has always been a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Business should have been located all around the city. 
Yeah, so that's happening now. And yeah, you know, those business districts had in a way been suburbanized, ironically. They've been sort of become, they were starting to look more and more like office parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, now, now uh, you know, we're, we're, we're the neighborhoods were, be, were more urban in a sense. Um, so so they need I know it's close to your dinner time now and close to my breakfast time. <laughs> what are the last thoughts on Placemaking X? that you'd like the global audience to know about? So, you know, we want everyone to see themselves as a placemaker and we want everyone to challenge themselves and, um, and, and, and support themselves with their communities locally with, you know, and connect with um, the placemaking communities in their city, in their country. Um, and we, you know, on our website, you can, you can do that. Um, and we want, everyone to realize that they bring something special to the place. They have a deep knowledge of their place. Um, they have important skills that are needed to, to improve their places in ways that, you know, build humanity's capacity to take on our bigger challenges. How we work to, you know, perhaps the biggest crisis in the world today is um, our lack of capacity to shape the future of our communities. Uh, we've become passive consumers of our communities. Um, you know, we know there's a lot of problems, but we need to exercise our civic muscles to uh, shape our public spaces. And the way that we're going to do that is when it's fun, when it's when it's when it's re-energizes ourselves. So we're looking at um, actually regenerative placemaking as a as a concept. That, so that's the new concept, to, regenerative. To helps, yeah, to sort of scale up. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success with the, the sort of the placemaking activity, but how do we really create the systems? You know, social, environmental, economic systems that really create these virtuous feedback cycles of how we all invest in small ways into our public realm and and then get back from it um you know which is a, which is a reversal of the dominant paradigm which is we're all competing to extract from our shared experiences we're all competing to sweating the assets yeah we're all take each building the way it's designed each each consumer the way it participates you know is just trying to take from everybody else's shared value and you know that's you know, you know, sometimes, you know, that's understandable, you know, if, if, if you're trying to survive, but that's not what ultimately is going to help humanity survive, you know, in the long run or at any scale. And it's definitely not what's going to enable us to thrive. Um, so we see place and placemaking as, you know, as, as something that's fallen in between the cracks of many of our goals as, as a civilization. Um, but it's, it's, the, it, it's also just coming back to our most fundamental role in this physical existence of how do we work together just to shape our shared physical experience in ways that support each other um, and you know prove humanity should keep existing on this planet uh, it's you know it's really as simple as that place how we connect to each other through place um, is how we work out you know how we can survive as a species um, how places and people build each other up, how we master that, that you know, virtuous cycle is you know, the most important challenge we have, but also the most fun and exciting challenge perhaps we have. As, yeah. as, as, as and it's a challenge we have in de- democracy building. Democracy is not about political parties. It's right. about your neighbors sharing the governance, as you say, of your community, your city, your state, it's not about being for against vaccines. It's more about being for human beings and let them right. live and shape the environment in the best way they can. 
It's bottom up, not top yeah, down. And this is the only way we're going to reinvent democracy and and you know and how we see each other is is connecting in front of our homes, in our streets, in our public realm. Um, you know, seeing each other, listening to each other. Uh, you know, understanding our you know our, our our difference, but also our incredible commonality. And people are really the same. You know, in so many ways around the world and. And for public and around public spaces more than anything else, we have very similar needs and 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 in the best place making process, you know, where those needs are different are simply additive. And we 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 all can enjoy, you know, we want to sit and watch people and see their differences and learn from them. And you know, place making and, and public spaces can enable that 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 growth of of wisdom and capacity that we all crave. Well, thank you. Now your website is placemakingx.com. .org, yes, placemakingx.org. Placemakingx.org, and I'm edtalkradio.org. All right, well, can't wait to continue the conversation and, and, and you know, recommend many other people from around the world that want to be part of, to listen to this and contribute in different ways. We're really, yeah, we yes, value your please. Work and, so and we can build this and, community. Yes, it's a, a very important community for, for this global conversation, and and, Ed, and, and you have been, you know, a, a leader in enabling us to do this work for many years in, in Sydney and with community cities all over the city region and, uh, and globally, of course, you're, you're, you've been more than anybody, you know, I can think of. You've had, you know, more energy and, and, and passion and wisdom um, you know, to, to contribute to cities. Uh, so we're very grateful for your you know, ongoing leadership and look forward to, to many more conversations like this. Well, thank you, Ethan. And all the best to you, because if you're successful, we're all successful. Cheers. We all need each other to succeed. More to come in the Pacific Conversation series, updating weekly until the end of 2021. Make sure to subscribe wherever you find the podcast so you don't miss out. And for more information, visit the website, edtalks.com.au. For weekly U.S. news and current affairs, check out Ed and I's other podcast, U.S. of Ed, also wherever you find good podcasts, as well as on Facebook and Twitter.